A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Now, before we can take a look at what's coming up on the programme, can I give a quick, quick mention to the Crossbarry Community Action Group, who yesterday put up a post on their Facebook page. And it's photographs of illegal dumping that, according to the Crossbarry Community Action Facebook page, happened early yesterday Early yesterday, it was early, yeah, early yesterday morning. So this would have happened on Thursday morning. A huge number of black bags, looks like rugs, bits of carpet as well, but mainly back black and blue refuge bags were dumped in Ballinfelic Woods near Crossbarry. Now, after being examined, some of the items were found which may identify the people where the rubbish originally came from. So they put it up on their Facebook page saying, this is your chance, litterbug, to go back out and clean it up or suffer the consequences. The behaviour they say is simply unacceptable. Now, they also admit that they do realise that a third party may be involved, such as a supposed waste disposer. And they're wondering and looking for local people or anybody who was in the Crossbarry area, if anybody saw anything, it would have been, I'm assuming, Wednesday evening into Thursday, either late on Wednesday night or early on Thursday morning. If anybody saw uh, anything, uh, could you please report what you did see? And looking, uh, when I when I read the post first and when I was looking at it, I was thinking that that, 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 I, that hasn't come out of one household. It is definitely household rubbish. But unless somebody was storing up the rubbish, I would find it hard to believe that that came out of one rubbish. So more than likely, it is an unlicensed contractor. It is somebody who has gone door to door and has offered to take domestic rubbish away or to clear out somebody's shed or to take, you know, garden cuttings away, whatever it is. But you've got to be, if somebody calls to your door like that and they're offering to take rubbish away at a very cheap Price like that's that that's a truck or a trailer load of items were dumped definitely in Crossbarry. You have to stop and ask where is this rubbish going to end up, and you also need to be very careful because if you get somebody, some unlicensed contractor, to take your rubbish away, and there's anything in the rubbish that links the rubbish back to you, and we all know when we're throwing items out, there can be anything from something that has your name and address on it, a letter that you throw into the bin. It can be, I've heard in the past, are people being tracked down by, you know, when you use your card, your club card in any of the supermarkets, You, every single person who has one of those cards, that number is linked back 
to your home address. You can be tracked down in a variety of different ways. And there's very few people don't have something in the rubbish that doesn't identify them. So you could be getting a knock on the door and be very surprised when the guard arrive and you get accused of littering. So please be very careful. But it is shameful and I feel so sorry for the good people of Cross Barry. They live in a lo- lovely neck of the woods and to have that kind of rubbish dumped in a wooded area and, you know, coming into it a time of year where the children will be off school all next week and parents will want to go out and about and take children for long walks in the woods to be faced with that. It's shame on uh, whoever was involved. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls coming up on the programme today. We're going to chat with a support group for crime victims who are talking about the after effects of a burglary and how some people never ever get over having their home broken into. And I'm interested to dig down a little bit more deep into this to find out. I would always think, you know, touch wood, I've never been broken into and, and I hope I never would have to face that. But, but you know, we never know. But I always think, and this is just a personal thing for me, that would, would it be worse if I was in bed and my house was broken into uh, than to walk home, you know, to come back home after being out and you open the front door to discover you've been uh, broken into I, I I wonder, is it more traumatising to have been in the house when the house was broken into? I know for a relative of mine, for over this happened over in, in London, on, it would have been Christmas night into St Stephen's Day, in bed, having a bit of a lie-in, and one of the children came up and sort of said, uh, looking for something, Dad, where's my, you know, what I would say was Xbox, it was something that the child had got for Christmas the next day, and sort of Dad half half awake, saying, it's downstairs, it's downstairs, you know. And then so the kid went back downstairs again, and then the child came back up going, Dad, where's the TV? And Dad's, where's the TV? The TV's in the sitting room. And then the child went back downstairs again, and then kind of the penny dropped going, the TV? So Dad gets up, this relative of mine gets up, comes downstairs to discover they have been uh, broken into, and he just said it was so traumatic that it happened um, Christmas night after they'd had a wonderful Christmas day and that all the children's toys were gone and trying to explain to, to the children where their Santa Claus presents were gone and yes, that there are, you know, bad people in the world. It was just awful. It was It was awful. And it took them many, many years, the children, I think, in particular, to get over the fact that they were all in bed when the burglars broke in. So anyway, we're going to talk about that. Victims of crime and what what the victim of crime, what the needs to do because I hate to think of it's bad enough that somebody's broken into your house and stolen some of your personal belongings or stolen your hard-earned cash but then when they take your peace of mind away from you that's that's worse isn't it it's just it's an extra crime on top of what they've taken from your house also on the programme this morning we are encouraging people to head to Bandon tomorrow and if you are a Harry Potter fan or you have Harry Potter fans in your house and who doesn't says you would you head down to Bandon uh, where you could be part of a world record and there's something really special I think about being part of a world record and you get into the Guinness Book of World Records and there's something really exciting about that and for children I think it's something terrific and it's something that they can talk about in years to come and Bandon are good at this because they set a world record in I think it was 2012 for the most leprechauns it was around I don't know if it was on St. Patrick's Day or it was around St. Patrick's Day because I remember we were encouraging people and they were quite particular in what you had to wear in order to qualify as a leprechaun in order to be counted so that they could get the, the numbers that they needed to beat the world record and they did so they're going to do the same tomorrow with the Harry Potter so we'll find out if you are going along 
I'm assuming there's going to be a set uniform that you're going to have to wear. What do you need to wear in order to qualify as one of the Harry Potters that will be counted up and hopefully will get banned in once again into the in, for another world uh, record. Japanese knotweed. We haven't spoken about Japanese knotweed in quite some time on the programme, but it is still out there. It hasn't gone away. And we're trying to find out what are the council doing? Are the council doing their very best to get rid of Japanese knotweed? I know it was probably around this time last year when we spoke about Japanese knotweed. I remember at the time some of the councillors were saying that while the council were you know, trying to do their bit to get rid of you know, the Japanese knotweed, for example, on the side of the road. And as you're driving around, you will see notices up from the council saying do not cut Japanese because it's Japanese knotweed because the worst thing you could do with Japanese knotweed is actually cut it because a small tiny little part of Japanese knotweed that falls on the ground well it's the most cleverest cleverest plant it will gain roots and suddenly become a new plant in a very very short period of time so the council are doing their best on the public roads but they don't have authority to go in onto public land to eradicate Japanese knotweed. So they may be in an area where they'll get rid of all the Japanese knotweed on the side of the road and then just over the ditch there's the Japanese knotweed which would just reinfest the area all over again. So what are they doing? What can they do? And what more needs to uh, be done? And I'm really looking forward at about quarter to 12 today to chatting to Mary Byrne, the Dubliner Mary Byrne who had was working in Tesco's and then she decided, she was a great singer, she decided that she'd enter X Factor. She entered and as we know, the rest is history. She made it through, she became one of the finalists in X Factor. It was 2010. I actually had to Google that yesterday when I knew that Mary was coming on with me. I was trying to say, when was Mary Byrne in X Factor? I would have thought, you know, maybe around 2013, 2014, but it was actually 2010. So it's coming up to, it's nearly 10 years since Mary took took part and we all fell in love with her and she's and her honesty as well afterwards when we got to know the lady behind that wonderful voice I mean her battle with arthritis God help her even back in 2010 there was difficulty with Mary doing any of the dance routines because her arthritis was uh, so bad anyway she is taking up another career and this time it's a career in acting and she will be performing in what looks like a very funny play Dirty Dusters (laughs) It's called or dirty dusting, dirty dusters or dirty dusting. Anyway, we'll talk about it later on the program. It's a, I would say it's for um, adults only, but I think they're building it over over sixteen. It's a little bit crude in parts, but it's it's a funny, funny play. But so, and it's on in the Ballymaloo Grain store, not this weekend, next weekend. So we'll speak with Mary Byrne a little bit later on on the program, and then of course it is Friday, so that means Mark Malone, our movie reviewer will be joining us in the, well, after about half past 12 today. And a quick mention that Ulster Bank, to Ulster Bank customers, Ulster Bank are experiencing delays applying credits to some customers' accounts. Now, they're working urgently to fix it, but it does mean, and it is affecting some welfare payments who are due to get their pensions, disability allowance, unemployment benefits, due to get paid today. And many people on social welfare live from one week to the next week so they're counting down waiting to put their card into a hole in the wall to take their money out and maybe to go into the shop to do shopping and pay on their card so you may need to check first that the money might not be in your account yet that's just affecting Ulster Bank customers so we give that out if you are 
a social welfare payment waiting on your payment today. You need to check first about Ulster Bank working and hoping to have whatever the problem is. It's obviously some kind of a tech problem. They're hoping to fix it as quickly as possible. Thank you to this a warning coming in from a listener to say, Hi Patricia, I was on my way to work this morning in Mill Street when I hit a pothole in the town just between the Clara Inn pub and the stop sign on the McCroom Road. This sounds like a massive pothole because this listener says you could wash yourself in it. This pothole will do damage. So let's warn people. And I mean, we've got this status yellow weather warning at the moment. So we're going to get a lot of rain today. And the status yellow weather warning has been issued by Met Air in Four Cork. It's valid from kicked in at 8 o'clock this morning and it's there until 6 o'clock tomorrow morning so we can expect a lot of rain and when you get potholes like that firstly it'll cause more potholes but it, potholes like that then fill with water and when you're driving along you may not even notice it so thank you to that listener and let's anybody in the anyone around Mill Street please be careful between the Clara Inn pub and the stop sign on the McCroom Road a particularly big pothole and I take it with the way the weather is today we haven't to hope of the council going out and sorting it and filling it in though if any of them are listening and think that they can do something for the good people of Mill Street please head on down and Tara Stock in Dumbamay the fantastic charity shop have been on to us to say that they found a sum of money Somebody found a sum of money in the shop and I'm assuming this is never day so I take it it was yesterday between half past 12 and half past 1 so early lunchtime yesterday if you were in Tara's Jock did you lose money? If so they're looking after it for you and you can contact Tara's Jock on 086 now a burglary can leave some homeowners feeling like they're living in a crime scene even after years of battling the resulting trauma. That's according to the Director of Support After Crime, Sally Handham, who joins me to discuss the stress felt after such a crime. Good morning to you, Sally. Good morning, Patricia. Um, you're, you're welcome. Is it more traumatic to be in the house when it's burgled rather than coming home and finding your home has been robbed? Or does it really not matter? It doesn't really matter. I mean, obviously, if you're in the house and you hear or see the burglars, yes, it can be very traumatic. But to come back in after being out for a short period of time and see your back door or your windows broken and your house trashed and your property gone is equally traumatising because you wonder the what-ifs. If you were only out maybe half an hour, which it seems to be very short periods of time now people have left houses and they're burgled, um, people are wondering if I had been there, what if I'd been in the shower? You know, so th- th- there's no good outcome. After a burglary, really. It's just all those questions and, and, and the, the what and the what ifs. And then I thought it was interesting to hear you make that statement. It's it the person feels like they're living in the crime scene. Because if it had happened outside of the house, they could come home to the sanctuary of their home. Yes. Suddenly they're in the crime scene. Yes. And that 
I think that can be forgotten uh, in a lot of instances because if a crime happens outside the home or no matter what the crime is, whether it's an assault or, or what it is outside the home, it takes people a time to process testing themselves of how they feel to go back to the scene of the crime. Yeah. Whereas for a burglary, and I'll go back to that word burglary in a minute now, they have to go back in as soon as the forensics are left and the house is, is ready for them to occupy again. Now, it takes people time. Maybe some people will have to have somebody, somebody come and stay with them for a while. And, you know, when they avail of our service, we ask them not to make rash decisions about leaving their home for good, about taking back control, giving them some tools to cope with the, the trauma of the event and possibly trying to reassure them that, you know, the, it, it'll get better. That's, I suppose, the best way to put it. But the word burglary, to me, is a term. Okay. The word home invasion, without, obviously, without permission, really hits the impact of what a burglary does. It invades your home, it invades your space, it invades your peace of mind. And that, to me, gives a better description. Where's the technical term as burglary? Yeah, that's a good point. Constant cleaning to almost try to clean away the crime. That, I believe, isn't unusual. No, that is not unusual. Because for people who come back or are there or come back and find that somebody has been all over their home, touching, pulling out drawers, touching their personal stuff, even the banister of the stairs, where they might have think they touched going up. Yeah. It, it is. And it's like, it, it, again, it's a coping mechanism to cleanse away the thoughts that anybody was there. Yeah. When I mentioned earlier you were coming on, I told a story of a friend of mine and she was only in her, oh, say her mid-twenties at the time. They were living in, a, herself and her boyfriend were living in an apartment in Dublin and it got broken into. And, every, you know, there wasn't a lot taken now, right. not a lot of value. But her underwear drawer, they had rifled through it to you know, see was there anything and it was all tossed out on the ground. And she said she literally had to throw everything into the bin because somebody said, oh, could you not have washed it? And she said, I couldn't bear the yeah. thought of that against my skin, the fact that they had touched it. And and again, that's not uncommon. I suppose to go a little personal story, our our car was stolen years ago and it was a new car and it was covered maybe four or five days later in bits. Anyway, it was drivable, but we had to deal with it and get rid of it. And, but I hated that car after that. I hated to be in the car after that. Because I didn't know who had been in it. I didn't know what they were doing in it. And that just gave me no regard for it. But back then, I wouldn't have known how to cope with that. Now, it's different. I I have done a bit of work, I suppose. And dealing with it on a a daily basis. Yeah, you you can overcome it. And I don't want scare tactics for anybody who has been a a victim of, of, of a crime such as that. I want them to know that if they take support, possibly independent support, talk it through, keep talking it through until they talk it out of their system. And sometimes it's easier to do with that with somebody outside the family 
because other than that, people might get tired of hearing the, I know, the same I know. thing, you know. Yeah, because a listener says, we had a break-in, it was nearly 15 years ago. To okay. this day, I'm still terrified of going into my home mm-hmm. if I'm on my own. It was an awful experience. Yes. We have a dealing not in, in this area because our service covers Limerick, Clare, Tipperary and Waterford. We're dealing with a young couple now at the moment who had uh, a burglary. Uh, they came back just as it was happening. Now, they got away. The raiders got away. Um, but since then, she cannot, and she has to be there because her husband's work takes him away from, from the house. Um she has blinds now put up all over the house, so nobody can see in at her. And that burglary took place within eight minutes of setting her alarm. My God. Eight minutes in, out and gone was quite a substantial amount of jewellery. When you, when you say the raiders weren't caught, does it help if the criminals are caught? Because oh, I know God, certainly yes. here in Cork, the the in the North Cork area in particular, the Gardaí have had some very successful outcomes oh, yeah. lately, which is which is great news for everybody. You see, if 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 somebody is caught for it, those responsible are caught. Well, for the for the the victims or those affected by it, they can be they're in a position to identify by name or the fact that they are caught and they're going to be made accountable in some way. Okay, so if not, if there's nobody made accountable, well, then everybody becomes a suspect. Mm. And, you know, if it's, you know, you'd always hear, oh, if there's a crowd from Dublin or a crowd from wherever, but there's a local contact for them, then the people who are affected are left in limbo and left unheard, I suppose, and unrecognized recompensed for stuff that's been taken and and left vulnerable. And yeah, and it's that peace of mind, uh, oh, Sally, that and I mean if you take somebody's peace of mind away, can that cause I mean that can lead to dreadful isolation. It can, and that's the word you should use. Yes, because again the isolation is left and caused by the lack of trust into as to who has done this. And who's responsible? So, not talking about it, uh, isolating yourself away, I- isolating yourself, and isolating others from you, which is much the same thing, but a little different. And it it can it can have huge effects. It can have huge effects on relationships. It can have effects on mental health and on health, and maybe in some cases be unable to go back to work. Well. I was surprised to hear you say, Sally, that older people are more resilient and in many cases recover better. Well, yes, and that's possibly not a general... But for some of the quite elderly uh, victims of uh, burglaries and of, you know, that, that fraud by doing making uppy jobs and taking big money off them, mm. it's, it's, it's amazing how strong they are. And they will not win. Like an elderly man the other day we were dealing with, 77, who had been assaulted in the street. Badly assaulted. Uh, unprovoked. And he talked about it, and he talked what he'd like to do to those who, who did it to him. But one of them is caught anyway. And he just said at the end of it, we were assisting him with his victim personal statement. And he said, you know what now, Sally? The show must go on, and so will I.
Well done. Well done. You know, honest, that was just and and I think there it. is that resilience in the older generation because they've seen tough times. They've seen tough times yeah. and they've come through tough times and I suppose they'd better coping skills because of that. Could you please tell Sally a very big thank you for all her help? That's Jason and Sam. Oh, oh my God. Yes, I know. I know who you're talking about. Okay. Jason, it was lovely to meet them. OK. Talk to me about your, your services, uh, Sally, because I take it if people, you know, go to a service like yours, Support After Crime, you can help people get over those psychological effects. We, we, we can certainly try and help. We work with people to help themselves, to empower themselves back into taking back control. So when they avail of our service, which is free, um, we, we would be with them for as long as they want after the crime, before the crime and after the crime. And if it does, their case does come to court and there's either a guilty plea or a conviction, we assist them in formulating their victim personal statements or their victim impact statements, using their own words, but bringing them within the guidelines. And that, for people, may be the only chance to get of the judge hearing or of being able to read out in the court their, their, the impacts and the life-changing uh, events that have caused them to be where they are. Do you think criminals have recognised the impact of their crimes on a victim? Not at all. No. Not at all. If they did, Patricia, they, like, okay, I would always say that uh, a person who commits a crime for maybe the first time, okay, and they're acknowledging they've committed the crime and they're pleading guilty and they're showing remorse, I, yeah, they, they possibly see it. But the habitual criminals who are in the court every day of the week and with 200 and 300 convictions, they've learned nothing. And these are some of the guys there and girls out on bail and they'll out on bail. and offending while they're out on bail. Yes. Like and and you see, there is like I'd, I'd love to have a magic wand and be able to fix this sort of a situation. And I don't know. It's like the chicken and egg. Does it start at the top and work down or from the bottom work up? But something has to be done that if, if some criminals out there are criminals, a group, and they persist in going it's their job to go out every day and rob houses and destroy people's lives. And when they go into court, there should be some sort of a checklist to know have they cooperated with the guards, this is for the judge and the, the teams up front, have they cooperated, have they helped recover property, are they willing to pay compensation and ha- have, you know, have they cooperated with the investigation? And if there, if that list was there, and they had, you know, done some of, ticked some of those boxes, well, that would be favourable for the criminal as well as favourable for the victim. Because I'm sure many of your listeners out, out where you are, that who've had, you know, the con men going around doing jobs. Yeah, a lot of that, particularly oh, in, in rural areas. Yes, a lot of it, and you know where they're, they're caught for. 10, 12,000 euros. Yeah, it's a lot of money. Now, I d- did notice recently the judges are telling those who committed it to bring money into the court. Good. Well, you know, if that's the case, at least the people don't feel bad because they feel bad enough have been conned. Yeah. 
They feel their mugs and idiots. Yeah, yeah. Because we we are always encouraging people to report because we know the people have been caught and they're so embarrassed that they've been caught that they don't report. Yes, you know, and it's it's not your fault. These guys are good at what they do. They are good. They're professional at what they do. So your main message, Sally, today is: these criminals have already taken, have already robbed from you. Don't let them rob you of your hope for the future. No, oh good God, no. There is hope. And there's light there and there's support there and ask people to take it because I will say myself we do a good job. Well <laughs> and tell Sally we appreciate the kindness she's shown to us. That's from Margaret Foley. Oh Lord God, <laughs> yes, Margaret. Yes. There you go. Sure, All right, listen, it's a pleasure as always, Sally. And we'll too, we'll chat again. Talk, talk again and bye. keep up the great work. Right, God you. bless. Bye bye. bye. That is support after crime at Sally Handlin. This is the Court Today replay on C one oh three. Now, people from all over Cork are being called on to help break a world record this weekend by having the most Harry Potters in the same place at the very same time. The record attempt is part of the Taste of Bandon and Banshee Festival. And joining me from the organising committee, I'm joined by Marguerite McQuaid. Good morning to you, Marguerite. Good morning. Um, How are you doing? Um, I'm doing very well. You're, you're welcome. Now, what is the current record for the most Harry Potters? 997 by a, t- a small town in Perth in New South Wales. Oh, so that's a lot. We're, very con- we're, we're confident we're going to beat that. Okay. What do people need to wear in order to take part? Five things. We need a tie, a Gryffindor tie, or um, I think people have been using the Gale School or the, the St. Brogan's tie, um, uh, a wand, which could be a, a chopstick or a twig, a scar, you know, the painted scar, uh, on the forehead, glasses and a black cape. So easy, easy to make yourself, you know. People are using bin bags. So well, well I actually had somebody on already uh, just for people who are not creative about making them themselves saying, hi, I literally just brought Harry Potter costumes in Price Savers in Bandon discount store half an hour ago for my three-year-old and seven-year-old it includes a cape glasses a wand a tie all for 10 euro uh, yeah. you will need uh, a, you need separately then just to pop on a white shirt so there's, there's yeah. somebody you can go out and buy as well but as you say if you want to make it up yourself you can I think it's more fun it's just yeah. much fun to do that way yeah. Yeah. yeah and is it true there's another festival in the UK trying to break the same record also this weekend well, I think they've, they, we've scared them off. They've actually cancelled it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sheffield, Sheffield, apparently, are going to do it. But uh, So we need to really really um, put our best foot forward, you know. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll and then try and best it, you know. Explain how people register to take part. Well, we'll be taking registrations in the fish market um, corner from four o'clock. Um, and then the count will begin at six. So the parade will start by six. And uh, we are really lucky. We've got Pat Kelly is going to be driving a Ford Anglia, which is uh, which, if you know of the Harry Potter films, was the flying car in the second in yeah. the second film. And uh, and then we'll parade round town, um, um, uh, and that will, that will complete the count. So uh, so registrations from four, and there'll be lots of food on the street. And then the parade starts at six. It's going to be a wonderful atmosphere. And actually, the weather is so bad today, but it's better for tomorrow. So it is. I hear yeah, that it's going to be good. The forecast is good. The <laughs> forecast is uh, good. 
And of course, Marguerite, no strangers to this in band, and you've done it all before with the Leprechauns in 2012. That's right. We were up against Glinty's. And um, uh, Patsy Holland and Jerry Fitzgerald were fantastic in orchestrating that and getting everybody on board. And uh, we were kind of learning as we go along, but we've been really lucky because lots of the businesses have came on board and done their windows. And um, we've had all the schools taking part in colouring competitions. And um, we're, we're hoping that we are going to appeal to all ages, you know. Yeah, and people love Harry Potter. I mean, you've the, the Don't they? Don't yeah. They? yeah. Uh, there's yeah. a text in saying, wish the committee all the best this weekend with the Harry Potter Festival and that's from the King of the Leprechauns uh, Mick McCabe <laughs> thank <laughs> you great. for that uh, Mick and it's uh, and it's adults and children it's, it's oh yeah. yeah and dogs and cats anything anyone that's dressed up as Harry yeah. Potter and you've yeah. other Harry Potter themed events across the weekend Yes, well, we'll, we'll um, we're, what we're celebrating, um, thanks to Fault Ireland, is um, the kind of autumn abundance of our food. And all the workshops are about that. Um, we have got some kitchen spells workshops. Um, there's a preserving one on this afternoon. There's, um, there's a sourdough bread one tomorrow. Um, and then there's a foraging one. Um, we have lots of uh, things like um, we've got a wonderful uh, children's storytelling in the Heritage Centre, which is going to be really atmospheric. Um, with uh, Marie Birchill from Chalkland Oak. Um, and then there'll be things like learning to knit Hogwarts colours. And then there's the print by the power of the sun. So children will be learning how to prepare these chemical salts to develop images um, by the sun, by the power of the light. Wow. Um, so it's quite magical, you know. So we, we've, we've had a lot of fun putting it together. And then all the cafes, um, many of the cafes are taking part in a butter beer trail. You know butter beer <laughs> yeah, is? I do, I do. <laughs> Good old Harry Potter butter beer. Well, you, the thing is, you can. There are just so many permutations, and it's it's really good fun and just so positive for the town, you know. Yeah, it's um, it's, it, it's brilliant. And actually, you, I have to say, you have a fantastic website. I was on it yesterday, at tasteofbandon.ie, and the amount of events there is literally something for from the very young to the very old. There's something there for uh-huh. everybody. That's great to hear. Um, yes, we were really lucky because of the board Fulcher grant. We were uh, Fastnet uh, designed that and the brochure. So I think we're, we've been really lucky and trying to invest well so that we can use it for years to come, you know. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Listen, good luck to all involved. You're going to have a wonderful, fun weekend as well. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? Absolutely. It's, it's about, yeah, it's about us all coming together to have fun. There's so many great community workers and activists in the town and um, they just all spring into action when when it's needed. And it's really phenomenal, you know. Um, the committee, the, the committee, you know, Maria Walsh and uh, Carol Crean, they're just just amazing people, you know. And then the restaurants came on board to do tapas trails at the Monster Arms. Just couldn't be more hospitable um, poachers. And, you know, they really they really work together. <clears throat> and that's what it's about. And it's dead, you know, it's good fun. Okay, so I imagine you're expecting a lot of people to visit Bandon over the weekend. So it's about the visitors coming in, but it's also for the local townspeople as well. So please get out and support all of the events. But the big one tomorrow, four o'clock, all the Harry Potters, please, for the world record attempt. And <laughs> when will you know if you've, well, you'll know tomorrow if you've broken the 997. Oh, yes. oh we will. We'll know. Um, and I foresee that we'll do it somewhere. Do you- 
<laughs> have you? Have you? Are you good at looking into the future? You are, Margaret. Yeah, well, yeah. I know the crystal ball is out. It's going to keep dry until half past six. Well done. Well done. <laughs> and we're going to win. <laughs> Listen. Good luck uh, with it. It's a terrific event, and have a fun weekend. That's what it's all about. Thank you so much. Patricia. Thanks for joining us. Bye bye. Bye bye, Marguerite McQuaid. McQuaid, part of the organising committee for that. It's a Taste of Bandon and Banshee Festival. And if you go on to tasteofbandon.ie, there is just so much happening in and around Bandon over the weekend. It it really is fantastic. And so many of the events are free of charge. And so we love to direct people towards free of charge events. So good luck. We do hope that they get into the what they they achieve their world record attempt. They have to go more than nine nine seven. That's a lot of Harry Potters. Good luck to all involved. Okay, we are heading towards news at eleven o'clock today. Uh, coming up on the programme we're going to be talking about Japanese knotweed in the next hour. I'll catch up with your calls and comments and the wonderful Mary Byrne from X Factor will be joining us. It's all coming up after Darkness falls across the land. Radio ratings are now at hand. Thank you, Cork. You always deliver. Our numbers really are a thriller. 238,000 people now listen to C103 and Cork's 96FM every week. Source JNLR Ipsos MRBI 2019-3. A big thank you for tuning in. Entertainment we guarantee. On radio, online and on the app. We are C103. (laughs) Hashtag choose radio. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. I should have given you out the telephone number for support after crime services following my chat with the wonderful uh, Sally Hanlon. And actually, it was great to see people text and call in who have used the services, who were victims of crime. They called on Sally and her team and the amount of support that they got and the help that they got. So help is available. And particularly for people... The crime may have happened many, many years ago and you never reached out, you never got the help that that you need. Sally and her gang are there, whether it's a crime that happened today, last week, last month or in the case of the listener who said 15 years ago and still afraid to go into her own, go through her own front door of her own home because of what happened with the burglary at that day. So Support After Crime Services, their phone number is 021-432-0555. That's 021-432-0555. And we continue to wish them a luck. They do absolutely amazing work. Keep working on your cheesy jokes, please, because in the next hour, we will be giving away our final cheese fondue night. It is um, Saturday the 3rd of... Sunday the 3rd of November, my apologies. 8 o'clock for you, if you win, along with four of your friends to go to the Cozy Cafe Church Square in Kinsale for a wonderful cheese fondue night. Tell us a joke, please. And we'll ask you, we'll open the text lines. We're doing it by text and WhatsApp as we've done all week. And we'll let you enter that after 12 o'clock today. But your chance to win on a cheesy joke. And you can check out all about the cheese fondue nights. They're running at the Cozy Cafe on the 27th of October, which is this coming Sunday. Then the 10th and 24th of November, 1st, 8th and 15th of December. And you can find out more details at the Cozy Cafe dot 
at net. Now, some of your calls and comments coming into the programme. Thank you to William from Donnerell who's contacted us just to draw our attention to something and to give it as a word to warn other people who may find themselves discommoded by this change. It's in relation to the Primary Healthcare Centre in Mallow, which is a wonderful facility and we have many fantastic primary healthcare centres dotted across the city and and county and they really are some of the real success stories of the HSE and long may they continue and I know there's many more uh, to be opened up and there's lots of services that are provided at the Primary Healthcare Centre that before they opened you'd have to be trunging into the city in order to get the service. And William has been availing of the primary health care centre because he's got a very bad ulcerated leg and he needs to go along to have his leg bathed. Now, I don't know if it's once a week, it's a couple of times a week or what way it's done, but he needs to go. Assuming the dressings have to be removed, also have to be looked at, they've got to be cleaned and then he's sent to get off sent away again on his merry way. So this has been going on for some time and William has been getting the service at the primary healthcare centre. But he says what they've been using in order to clean out the ulcer in the area around it, it's been done with buckets. He said he hasn't had any problem at all with it and, you know, he hasn't had any complaints. But situation has now changed and the HSE are, are insisting that the only way an ulcerated leg like this can be bathed is in a foot bath. They're requiring you to use a foot bath. So now William and others will have to travel to Charleville as the Mitchellstown and Mallow Primary Healthcare Facilities do not have foot baths. Now the people at the Mallow Primary Healthcare Centre have said to William that the plumbing is there for it but the foot bath was never installed and he says there will be he's not the only one there'll be many more people from around the North Cork area who will all be travelling to Charleville which is going to put the Charleville primary health care I'm assuming then under pressure because everyone's going to have to go there in order to use their footpaths it just doesn't make any sense we've contacted the HSE okay if they don't like the idea of using buckets and basins then the plumbing is there, put in the footpaths, but just expecting everybody again to go to one area makes absolutely no sense at all. We've contacted the HSE. We are awaiting a reply from the HSE. When we get it, we will bring it to you. Hi, Patricia. When Sally Handlon was on from supporting victims, she expressed how criminals who go before the courts 10, 20 or more times And when I was asking, had they learned anything? And she herself said, had they learned anything in in remorse? And and Sally says that they haven't. Well, this listener said they have. They've learned enormously. They've learned that they will get away most times. And when they're caught, guess what happens? They'll just get more free legal aid and they'll probably get away with it again. Until legal aid is reduced to one or two, maximum the number of offences, Nothing, absolutely nothing will change. And you're not the first to suggest that. The thought pattern being that if somebody comes before the courts and it's only usually after whatever crime they've committed has been, usually they've usually found guilty, it's only then that it will be announced, oh, by the way, they were before the courts 10, 20, 30 times and there's so many, you know, the charge list might be very long against them as well in other cases. So a lot of people feel that the criminals know they're going to get free legal aid. So if you stop free legal aid, that you allow free legal aid is there for anybody who needs it on a first, second, even maybe third offence. But that's it. Like three strikes and you're out. After that, 
you've got to go into, into court and defend yourself. I think a lot of people will agree with the listener on that one. 1850-333-103. We were talking about manners yesterday when I had the lovely Noel Cunningham join me about his book uh, Guide to Modern Irish Ma- Manners and he's whenever you see him on the, on the TV you know he's the Donegal Hotelier he always comes across as such a, maller, a mannerly man and actually when I was reading Noel's book it's similar in ways as well to Francis Brennan remember Francis Brennan of the Kerry Hotelier he brought out a book a few years ago that was similar as well it, it dealt with manners and I don't know if it's something to do with people who have worked in the hotel business you know, for a long time. I mean, both Francis Brennan and Noel Cunningham have had a career as, a very successful career as hoteliers. And does it just make them more mannerly because, you know, they work in many cases in four and five star hotels and they have to be nice to everybody. And they, but as Noel Cunningham said in his book, you know, good manners will take you anywhere, anywhere around the world and it will. And it's just, Whatever it is about those lovely men and women who work in hotels, they're just such pleasant, nice people to deal with. And they have these wonderful, wonderful manners. Stephen said, uh, and aside to your programme yesterday on the manners, Patricia, this little piece came to mind afterwards. And I remember reading years ago, it went, hearts like doors will open with ease to very, very little keys. And don't forget that two of these are, I thank you and if you please. Yeah. Simple as that. And it will. It'll take you, as the book says, it'll take you anywhere around the world. And we were talking when I was chatting with Stephen yesterday, talking about how manners begins at a young age. And, you know, it begins. Obviously, they, the teachers will do a lot of work in schools on teaching children good manners. But really, manners, it's down to home. It's down to your, the parents and your influencers, your grandparents, the people who are influential in your life at a young age and good manners. They are inevitably. They're always taught at home. And that's the right and proper place for it to be taught. I heard something that happened recently of someone handing a small child a row, um, an orange. It was a neighbour giving the neighbour's child an orange. Oh, it was a mandarin or a satsuma or something like that and gave it to, to, the, to the little one. And the mammy of the child said to the child, what do you say? You know what do you say to the neighbour? And the child looked up and said, peel it. There was no thank you. That's what the child said. So get the orange. What do you say? The neighbour and the mammy expecting the child to say, thank you very much. And the child instead hands the orange back and says, peel it. Great manners there for sure. 1850-333-103. Our lines are open. John Paul taking your uh, calls. I know we were hoping to go to a caller there, but that's not happening now. So let's do this. C103 Jobs. A receptionist is wanted. This is for a veterinary practice in the North Cork area. Experience would be preferred, but enthusiasm for the job, that's what's most important. Part-time window fitter required, that's for North Cork. And care assistants are required for Salan Haven, that's in McCroom. And temporary accounts payable position, that's available in Formoy. Experience of accounts payable and a good knowledge of Microsoft Office is required. Now you'll find all the details and many more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. 
the GAA Sports Star of the Month Awards on C103 with the Rochestown Park Hotel. So I'm in the twilight years of my camogie career. Things like this for me were in the past, but it's phenomenal. The girls that I play with, they were my inspiration, my influence, and they spurred me on. The latest award winner is Emer Fennell of Sarsfields. She's recognised for the club's Cork Senior Camogie Championship success. The C103 GAA Sports Star of the Month Awards. Recognising outstanding achievement in the field of Cork GAA. C103. Now, according to ecologists, Japanese knotweed continues to be a rampant threat and is now prevalent in every single county in Ireland. This invasive species is already causing huge damage under homes and in gardens. Japanese knotweed was spoken about at a recent meeting of the Northern Committee of Cork County Council by Fianna Fáil Councillor William O'Leary, who joins me. Good morning to you, William. Good morning, Patricia. Um, How are you? I'm very well, and, and you're welcome. Would you and other councillors hear from constituents who are worried about Japanese knotweed in their areas? Well, I, Patricia, I can only speak from my own point of view. And since I was elected in May, it's been one of the key issues. It's taken up a, a number. Of, I, I've received a number of calls in relation to Japanese knotweed, and where the issue lies, Patricia, is that council engineers who do a terrific, terrific job throughout the country. All they can do is map it and put up the um, appropriate warning signs, letting people know that knotweed is in the area. Um, um, I suppose the NPWS is responsible for the eradication of it, and it's it's just not been eradicated down here. Um, like I suppose there's a staff issue on the ground and a money issue. Like the money isn't there for the eradication of it, and it's. It's starting to get out of control, Patricia, in some areas, to tell you the truth. So, you mentioned the National Parks and Wildlife Service. Yeah. Is it their responsibility or is it the council's responsibility? From from my understanding, Patricia, the National Park and Wildlife Services are responsible for the eradication of all invasive species in, in, in Ireland. And, like, at our recent Northern Committee, I put down a motion that the council would liaise with, with the National Parks and Wildlife Services to drop a clear programme of eradication um, which is not there at the moment, Patricia. Um, I mean, it's up in the air who is responsible to eradicate it. Um, people are confused. Um, they're coming to me. I'm going to Cork County Council with areas that have not weed and they're telling me it's the responsibility of the MPWS and at the moment um, very little, there's a very little amount of these invasive species like not weed and hogweed receive an actual treatment for eradication. Because if you're driving around the county, William, you will see signs that, in hindsight, I think actually they're put up by the the NPWS sign saying, you know, not weed, do not cut. That, that, well, that is the National Parks put those puts those signs up, is it? It is no, that's Car County. Oh, is it the council? Yeah, okay, yeah. So the council will map it. They'll take note of where not weed may be prevalent, and they will they will put up the appropriate warning signs. But like I said to you, Patricia, it's a programme of, er- of eradication is what we need. And we need the council, Cork County Council, and we need the MPWS to sit down, come up with this programme of eradication and a way forward for the eradication of the of the invasive species. And look, it's, just, it's something we need like everything else. It's an issue with money, probably, and staff on the ground to, to carry out the treatment to eradicate them. Because, but the worst thing you can do is cut it, isn't it? Well, that is it. Like, if you once you once you, once a landowner or a private person might go near it, it's going to spread like wildfire. It's, um, I mean, another issue, Patricia, is that some of this knotweed will start inside in private land. It will then spread out to the road, which causes further confusion of who's responsible for eradicating it.
Yeah, because I remember, I'm sure it was around this time last year, that very same issue was raised at Cork County Council. There were the council are trying to do their bit on the public road, but then yeah. over the fence or over the ditch on the farmer's land, yeah. the Japanese knotweed is, grow- is growing away. So it, it makes it makes no sense to even try and eradicate it on the public side of the road if it isn't being eradicated on the private land. But you don't have the jurisdiction to go in onto private land and eradicate well, it. Well, this is why, I'm, Patricia, I'm calling for consultation between the MPWS and Cork County Council to come up with solutions to issues like this because they are needed. I mean, people are told not to go near it, not to treat it, which does cause some bit of fear with, with, with people, Patricia, to tell you the truth. They just don't know what to do with it. Have, has there been success, though, in some areas? Sorry? Has there been uh, success? Um, not, well, to be honest, Patricia, um, some areas have had success, some areas have haven't. Um, it's just more prevalent in some areas more than others. And in fairness to the FPC, uh, the, the environment, the FPC and Cork County Council, they did sit down towards the end of um, the last council term, and they have come up with... They, they've had they've tried to best come up with solutions, but um, like I said, it's it, it, financial resources is an issue with staff on the ground, which is affecting a lot of areas with Car County Council. So, like I said, we need we need Car County Council councillors, all stakeholders, including the PWS, to sit down and come up with solutions to it. And it does cost a lot of money. I mean, I remember the time we really were taught about Japanese knotweed was in London when they were building the Olympic Village. And unfortunately, they brought in topsoil that was had Japanese knotweed in it. And they spent millions eradicating it. I mean, because it isn't just as simple as going in and giving it one spray. I think it takes at least three sprays. It takes takes three treatments to successfully eradicate, Patricia. And like I said, every, every plant is different, every species of knotweed and hogweed is different so sometimes it can take more Patricia but like I said we need all stakeholders here to sit down and look at a way forward because in some areas it really is getting out of control And some property owners are afraid to report it because it'll devalue your house if you've got knotweed on your property Absolutely Patricia which, yeah. is, why, which is why we really do need to pursue a programme of eradication to, to, to eliminate issues like this because like I said private agricultural land, uh, private residential property, they, they were afraid to report it because because it could devalue their property and it could have a serious effect on issues like that. So this is why, this is why, and like I, I'm repeating myself here, this is why we need the SPC uh, Environment Committee above and Cork County Council, councillors, council engineers, MPWS to sit down once and for all and look at a pathway forward for the eradication of that weed. Yeah, and if it is it is money, and it does look like money, it has to come from the Exchequer. I mean, the council is not going to have the kind of money. And, you know, as I mentioned in my introduction, this isn't just a Cork problem. There is not a county in Ireland that doesn't have Japanese knotweed. Absolutely. So it's absolutely. a nationwide... It is, unfor- it is unfortunately. Um, but look, we, ha- we need to look at how we're going to eradicate, Patricia, because yeah. if we don't make moves now, it's going to spread and spread and spread in areas that it's already in. You went you know? so far at the Northern Committee of Cork County Council meeting, William, to suggest calling the army, if needs be. Well, it, in some areas, the thickness and density of the, of the knotweed is, is, so, is so thick that it would take the manpower in some areas of the army to remove it. I, I did probably make that comment in a bit of a, to, a tongue-in-cheek situation. You know, I know the army are very busy with their with our train and and their assigned duties and their overseas duties and don't get paid enough for it. 
you know, but not we, in some areas it does require heavy lifting and serious manpower and if, if, if army officials would make their staff available, I would certainly take them take them on board yeah. to help eradicate it. And, like, I, I would, yeah. and I do think you're right about we need to map out all the areas. We need to find out exactly where it is. Start, you know, really marking yeah. the areas yeah. and let's get a plan. In order to get a plan in place, we need to know exactly where it is and where is the very heavy infestation. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully, and people are good to report. The council engineers are, in my own area, my, we've an engineer is very good to take note of where it is. But like I said, Funding resources on the ground mean there's no real program of, of eradication being pursued here. Okay, Marion in Clonakilty said we were assured in Clonakilty, uh, those of us living in the Beechwood estate, that the knotweed would be dealt with. Uh, the because we were beside a housing estate. I remember that they were about to build on the housing estate, and people had noticed uh, knotweed. The knotweed at the location. We're fearful that that knotweed will go everywhere. We welcome the new houses, but we really do hope that they are dealing with the knotweed because everybody knows as soon as you start disturbing the knotweed cutting it in any way, that's when it just seems to spread like wildfire. It, it really is an, an invasive plant. All right. Listen, William, keep in contact with us on, on this one if you hear anything else. Uh, but um, thanks a million for joining us on the programme this morning. Thanks, thanks very much. OK, thanks good morning to you. That is uh, Councillor William O'Leary with the scourge of Japanese knotweed. I don't know if you have it in your area or not, or if you do, how bad, how bad is it? I remember a couple of years ago we spoke with one of the one of the smaller tidy towns groups from one of the villages. John Paul now might be better at remembering which village it was we did with so many of the tiny towns groups they were being very successful now on a small scale in their own area but even if that if needs be if that's what it needs that we resource the all of the individual tidy towns groups because we've got fantastic tidy towns groups and if we give them the money and the resources that they need to do an eradication program you know could we do it it would be on a very small scale, but at least we would get it out of maybe some of the towns and villages. I don't know if that's been looked at, if that's something that could be done. Because, but certainly I do remember one local tidy towns group getting together and they were having success. But as I mentioned to William, it isn't as easy as just going in and one spray, dig it up and it's, and it's gone. In some cases, it can take up to three sprays. And I don't know if... I'm open to correction, but I think that means over three years to actually eradicate it. It, it really is dreadful. Martin in Mitchestown says, I have not weed behind my place, but goats got at it and a puck goat started eating the knot weed. And after a while, the knot weed withered away. I've heard that whatever a goat eats, the plant will die. Anybody confirm that? if that's true that's our solution we just need a load of goats bringing shipping goats in to any area where there is a lot of knotweed anyway we need a goat expert to confirm that is it true that anything a goat eats the plant will die I mean if, if that be the case goats can't stay in an area for very long they'd have to keep moving on because they'll kill off everything but anyway Martin reckons that's what happened Goat started eating the knotweed and it withered away. A goat expert, please. Is it true that anything a goat eats will then die? Jim says, Patricia, there's a lot of Japanese knotweed along riverbanks. And when the flood comes, it spreads like wildfire. Yeah, that's another huge problem. Outside of people cutting it, if you cut it, it spreads. But it gets washed down on the riverbanks as well. And it really seems to thrive along 
riverbanks and then of course the flood will come in and help to spread it right the way down along. 1850-333-103. Can I remind you that tomorrow the clocks need to change. It is the what's technically called the end of daylight saving hours. Daylight saving hours began at the end of March and it's the end of October. The clocks will go back. You will get an extra hour in bed. It's under EU law. And I know before people say, I thought they were stopping that. They're still talking about it. They still are quite adamant that it is going to stop, but it's certainly not stopping for this year. Under EU law, all 28 member states, clocks go back on the last Sunday in October and they go forward on the last Sunday of March. If you've got friends in America or Canada that you talk to on a regular basis, please note that for the next couple of weeks there is another difference in time because in America and Canada, the clocks change on the second Sunday of March and the first Sunday in November. So it'll be another week before their clocks will go back in America and in uh, Canada. And the why do they change? The clocks change in, in order to make the best use of the natural light as the Earth orbits the sun, changing its exposure. So in winter, when it's naturally darker, time goes back by an hour, which means an extra hour wrapped up in bed. And in, in the summer, you get the old grand stretch in the evening as the clock goes forward and uh, we get the longer evenings. But lots of people have been fighting and arguing that they don't like the clocks going back. They don't like the darker evenings. People would prefer to have it darker in the mornings and you go into the day and you've got the extra time in the evening. And that's where the argument is going forward and back as to what we're going to do about ending daylight saving hours. And it was passed. I think all of the member states passed it, but they well passed in principle and it's gone back to each individual country to decide the what they're, what they're going to do. So we will talk more about this. It certainly will come up again next year. There'll be a lot more talk about it. But as of now, your clocks go back one hour tomorrow night. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. Uh, text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. When I was talking about manners, there's a lovely WhatsApp in from a mother, I'm assuming, or maybe it's a dad. Is there a picture on this? There isn't. Anyway, to say, uh, hi, my favourite line on my six-year-old son's school report was the first line, which said, he is a very articulate student with excellent manners. Not bad for a senior infant child. Oh, isn't that fantastic? You can be a very proud mother. Wake up with Simon Murdoch. Weekday mornings on C103. Hi, it's Simon. Have a brilliant long weekend. I'll talk to you again on Tuesday morning, bright and early from six, to play you Cork's greatest hits to help you through that morning rush hour, give you the chance to win over two grand. (laughs) Fantastic. And kick off your week with a bit of a laugh. Enjoy the jazz. See you Tuesday. Great show. Listen to you every day. Brilliant. Corks. More music breakfast. With Dano's Centra. Sparkland Mallow. Enjoy a fresh start every morning with Dano's Maxol Filling Station. Frank and Honest Coffee, Deli and Bakery. Now we all fell in love with Dubliner Mary Byrne when she shot to fame by reaching and becoming one of the finalists of X Factor in 2010. Since then, she has become one of our national treasures and she's yet again changing direction with her career by taking up acting. And she's part of a nine 
venue tour with the comedy play Dirty Dusting and she'll perform in Ballymaloo Grain Store on Sunday week November the 10th Mary Byrne joins me um, Good morning to you Mary Good morning, darling. Uh, How are you? Well, I'm very well and you're very welcome uh, to the programme. Now, you're well used to going on stage to sing. Is acting very different? Well, uh, yes, it is. I mean, I have a huge respect now for actors because I never realised what has to go into acting. I mean, I thought I could just go out there and and stand on stage and just do me thing. Oh, there's a hell of a lot more goes into it than that. But I am really enjoying it. It's a huge challenge, but it's a challenge that... You know, I'm glad I'm taking on. I'm scared out of my wits. <laughs> but we're having such fun. The girls that I'm with and the guys, are they just outstanding. Really a great bunch of people to be with. Have you worked with any of them before? Never worked with any of them before, no. I, I met them before at a, at a press launch. And from the day we met, we just clicked. They're very like me. We're just down to earth. We're ordinary people who just love what we're doing and, and literally just want to do a good job. You know what I mean? Have a bit of fun. And had you thought about acting before? Yeah, when I was a kid. I mean, you know when you're young, and I, I, I was a big, big fan of all the old black and white musicals, and I used to always wish that I could be up there with Gene Kelly or Fred Astaire or, you know. And yeah, I always thought about acting, but never thought in my lifetime that I'd be given the opportunity I have now to do. I mean, this play is just so funny, but there's so much di- dialogue in it that I never realised I could even study. Well, let's do it quite young. You got to, well, that, that was going to be my next one. Have you a lot of lines to learn? Um, yes, I have. I, I'm, there's a full 82 pages of dialogue between the, the three of us, four of us. And I have enough. What's getting me more so than anything else is I'm getting the, the one-liners mixed up because they're all so similar. And that wasn't what I was afraid of. What I was afraid of was the big, huge bits that we had in it. Like you had a long piece of dialogue in a lot of the play. And I thought that was going to be my problem. It's not. It's the one-liners. But, I mean, look, at being 60 next week, I can't believe that I'm actually studying for a play and working on a stage with a group of people who, they might as well be my sisters and brothers, but just, it's just the way we feel. We're all getting on so well. Now, it's called Dirty Dusting. For people Dirty who dust. haven't come across this play before, it, it, tell us the storyline. The, the storyline is kind of basically where we have three elderly ladies who clean an office block every weekend for the past 50-odd years. And they're coming into their 70s, you know. And they come in one day, and the head girl, who is Olive, she comes in and tells us that there's letters in her pigeon box to tell us that we're being let go. So we're shocked. We're in the horrors. We don't know what to do. And so we decide to start up a raunchy lion. I can't say the word on radio. A raunchy lion, which will see us all talking to certain gentlemen of a different type and talking some rather nasty words. It's talking talking dirty. Is, is, talking it, dirty yeah. is, it, is it crude in parts? It can be a little, not much, okay. just small, just small bits. Like there's a bit of language in it that I'm, I'm finding hard to even say on stage, but it's not crude, crude. Yeah. It's more funny than it is crude. Yeah, there it's not going to really offend anyone. No, I don't think we'll offend anybody. No. I mean, I think anyone that's going to come to see this is going to be very open-minded and just sit down and enjoy the crack that we're having. It strikes me as something that, like a kind of a girls' night out, is it? Or it is a girls' yeah. night out, definitely. And there's one fella on the stage, Dave, God love him. <laughs> we give him hell. But he's a cranky old cow, so we'll, we'll, we'll sort him out. You know us old ones, we always sort these things out. And it's nine, it's a nine-venue tour. Is that all over the country? 
it's all over the country. I mean, it's in Wexford, it's in Port Leash, it's in Rathout, it's in Wexford, it's in uh, Nace, and we have, ca- uh, God, I can't even see it, I'm trying to think. We've Cavan, and we've, um, of course, we've got Liberty Hall in Dublin, my own hometown, which we really want to see a lot coming out to that. I mean, that's selling fairly well. But Is it? That's the 16th of November and we really want that one to go because I want to see all my Dublin pals there, you know. Yeah, will, will you be most nervous at that one? I will be more nervous at that one than at any others because it is my own hometown. Yeah. But I mean, we're selling out. I mean, three shows sold out already. So That's brilliant. That's brilliant. You know, and, well. and, there's, and there's something really quite nice about going around the country and taking the show out of Dublin, isn't there, and bringing it around the country? Yeah, it's fabulous. And the gas thing about it is, I mean, my grandparents are from Port Arlington and Port Leash and Bally Adams. We've, we've, I'm actually back to my roots, really. You could think about starting here in, in Port Leash. Yeah, that's, the, that, that's, that's a nice connection uh, as yeah. well. OK, and you, you've been very open, Mary, about your battle with arthritis. How are you doing at the moment? Because, I mean, this is a full-on show. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I've said it many times. I'm using, I use a certain gel called the Plexisec, which, which I find works for me. And I also watch my diet and try to get a little bit of exercise to keep the legs from getting too stiff. But the weight loss has helped tremendously. Has and yes, it is. We're standing a lot in this play. So it is, that's another challenge I have to face with the arthritis. It is, it's very, very painful. And look, we get on with it because my father had arthritis and I used to see him running up and down the road, cycling bikes. He never let it beat him and I'm going to try my best to do the Good same on thing. you. Good on you. It's just, it's one of my abiding memories of you in 2010 in X Factor when they were trying to do dance routines and bless your heart, you had to keep sitting down. You were in, yes, in so well, much I pain. Yes, I was 21 stone there. Yeah. And I was carrying two women on top of those four knees <sighs> and I was crippled with arthritis. And you're, so I'm only carrying one and a half now. I'm all right. You're, keep, you're keeping the weight off. I'm keeping the weight off, yeah. Well, well I, mean, I put a few pounds on. I went on holidays, put a few pounds on, but I'm back on the track now trying to get that down. Listen, we all do that and I always say to people, don't worry about the holidays. It'll be, you're at Correct. home and you, you can lose the weight. You can, it'll fall off you and it'll certainly fall off you running around the country doing this show. Um, and there's no music in it. Somebody's saying, will Mary be singing on stage? But there's no music. No, well, the only thing is uh, one of my songs will be playing on stage and I will do a little bit, okay. just a short bit. Uh, but the rest, there is music actually being played in the background where, where we're coming out and cleaning the place. OK, all right. And are you still singing and performing? I am. I'm actually in um, Port Harlington tonight in the golf club singing. I'm doing a gig after we do rehearsals here. So that's another two hour show. Um, and I'm doing the Panther down in Longford uh, Christmas. So, and I'm doing a lot of Christmas shows coming in. But you see, we had to kind of hold back on a lot of the shows because... The X Factor had contacted me and we're waiting for a final answer from them to say whether they want me or not. They've asked me to hold dates. So we're hoping that's going to come true for us. Wow. Fingers crossed. Fingers Definitely. crossed. Definitely. You, you, you still have great affection for X Factor. I do because, look, I wouldn't be standing, sitting here talking to you today about Dorothy Dustin. Yeah. And, you know, a young man called Richard Whitwood, Whitwood, Wandsworth. You know, if I hadn't have done the X Factor. I mean, this young lad is starting out in the business and he decided to get me. He's probably sorry now he did, but <laughs> he decided to take me on and he would have never known me and I would have never known him. I would have never known, I wouldn't have never met half the stars I met. So yes, I have huge affection for, for the X Factor. And life is good with you? Life is good with me, yeah. I mean, we have our battles up and down. You know I suffer with depression, but we get through that. Yeah. I have a lot of people around me who are good. I keep the good ones around and the ones that are negative... 
I don't ignore them, but I just don't let them inside. That's it. You can't do that. That's it. And you have no, I mean, I was going to ask you about your special birthday, but she has slipped it in earlier on. You're 60 uh, coming up Sunday week, the 3rd. The 3rd of November, and I'll be on stage on my 60th birthday. And I, Uh, you know what? I couldn't think of a better place to be. Why not? Why not? because, you know, it's a great bit of fun. I have all the people around me that I want. My daughter will be there, hopefully, and the whole lot. So we'll, be, we'll have fun. Well, listen, lots of people looking forward to seeing you in Ballymaloo Grain Stores on Sunday, November the 10th uh, is when Mary comes with uh, Dirty Dusting. And it's a fun, fun play. Real pleasure talking to you, Mary. Thank you for that. The pleasure's been mine. Thank you very Thanks much for Thanks a million. Me. God bless. God bye, 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 bye. Uh, the lovely Mary Byrne uh, joining us from what, as we first came to know and love Mary, was via X Factor. It's hard to believe that the X Factor, it was 2010 was when she was in uh, X Factor. The years are simply flying by. Your cheesy jokes, please. We are looking for your cheesy jokes. We have a fondue, a special fondue night on Sunday the 3rd of November where the winner, along with four of their friends, goes along to the Cozy Cafe Church Square in Kinsale to have a special fondue night. They're running fondue nights between now and Christmas. And if you'd like to check out more about it, you can go to their website, which is CozyCafe.net. But any cheesy jokes, any funny jokes, something that will make us laugh on the start of the bank holiday weekend, get it in uh, to us. We, you can start getting them in now, actually, 0862103103 by text and WhatsApp only, please. That's uh, 0862103103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Hi Patricia, could you tell me the name of the gel that that lovely lady Mary Byrne was talking about for her arthritis? I'm in agony uh, thanking you. Now this, well Mary has been advertising this, she finds it, uh, but she says it works for her, it doesn't work for everyone but it is a gel, I think, I know it's available I think it's probably only available in chemists it's called Flexisec F-L-E-X-I-S-E-Q F-L-E-X-I-S-E-Q It certainly works for her, she's kind of like a brand ambassador for it but she did preface it by saying it works it works for her but you know if you want to give it a try but it mightn't work for you and somebody else asking when is Mary Byrne bringing her play to Cork it's one night only it's the Ballymaloo grain store in Shanagarry and it is um, Sunday the 10th of November so Sunday two weeks Sunday the 10th of uh, November. 1850 333 Before I get to some a lot of your calls coming in, I want to go to the phone lines because Gillian Cochran uh, joins me. Uh, good, good afternoon to you, Gillian. Good afternoon, Now, Gillian, traffic and uh, traffic delays in and around Bandon. Are they getting worse because we're getting a lot of calls? Well, Patricia, over the last three or four days, my phone hasn't stopped with calls uh, from Irish uh, people in Bandon and business owners complaining about the traffic and the lack of traffic management as a result of the closure of uh, Maximini Key. Now, this is the bank holiday weekend. By all accounts, some of the co- accounts I've received this morning, people have been sitting for 40 minutes in traffic. Oh. Um, I've had reports from a taxi company in Bandon saying that really their business is suffering because they cannot um, collect the people, you know, people going to collect their pension, people making doctor's appointments. They cannot get across the town. And I 
really failed to see, Patricia, why this wasn't foreseen. Bandon, as the gateway to West Cork for the bank holiday weekend, extra traffic at lunchtime, schools out on half days. We've just earlier this morning, we just earlier this morning spoke about uh, a taste of Bandon, the big festival that's happening across this weekend. That's going to bring a lot, it's going to bring a lot of people into town, if they can get into town. Absolutely. Wonderful, you know, great efforts being made right across the town to encourage people to um, enjoy what Bandon has to offer. And yes, um, the basic thing like traffic management cannot be But is it is it down to that Gillian I mean we, you've got this storage and, and the water pipe laying works going on we know when any major works like this goes on people just have to almost get a little bit patient and put up with the delays I mean is it oh, that or is this a bit more excessive I think this is more than that Patricia I believe that you know um, the, the contractor could have taken um, more measures to put signage up at the roundabout coming into Bandon to say those who are travelling west who do not have business in Bandon. Now, of course, we know that Bandon's open for business and we want business to come into Bandon. But if people are making their way directly west today, they should use the bypass. Um, at the chapel steps, I believe some measures should, should have been taken there to allow traffic, which is uh, town-bound, so maybe bound for South Main Street or for the uh, Riverview Shopping Centre, to use the lower key behind O'Farrell's come up that key and make it one way temporarily while the other key was closed and therefore then the traffic going west at the chapel steps yeah. would have gone on straight and had the right of way there. So again, a little bit of imagination. Engineers are paid to do this, Patricia. You're right. And, you know, it's, You're it's, right. It, it really should not be as, as congested as it is at this point. In but time. In, and I'm very frustrated. And then and the weather today, the, the weather today just adds, adds to it. Okay, Absolutely. but just, I suppose the message to get out to people is if you are, if you are heading west, heading into Bandon today, you can expect delays. If you, you I mean, particularly if you've got an appointment. Bandon is open for business and yeah. there's lots on and it's a wonderful place to come and visit and shop and, and with the festival on but just expect delays and I certainly am calling on the Gardaí and Wardenburg to uh, improve I suppose traffic management and traffic supervision around the town to make it easier for people more convenient and a better experience for people Okay, allow extra time for those journeys Gillian thank you for that thank have a lovely thank weekend you, thanks you for joining us that is uh, Councillor Gillian uh, Coughlin the usual just to update you while we're talking about traffic uh, traffic is also heavy in Mallow coming from the Fomoy side the usual delays in McCroom host delays in, in McCroom particularly coming from the Killarney side and you can expect heavy traffic on the approaches to the city centre and on the all city link roads this afternoon from about three on and that says people will be heading to Cork for the bank holiday jazz weekend and for people in Mallow a reminder that as and from tomorrow the northbound lane of the bridge over the river Blackwater uh, will be closed again and it will be closed until November the 4th which is the day that the the children go back to school after their Halloween break and this closure is to facilitate the installation of new traffic lights and ESB ducting. Council spokesperson is saying the contractor will ensure that the work is completed and the bridge open to two-way traffic when the schools reopen. It's necessary by the way to carry out the works by day for engineering programmes and safety reasons so they're not able to do it at night when people were saying there had been a thought and almost a promise I thought at one stage that any more closure wouldn't happen that the work would be carried out at night so the closures would happen at night but now they're saying it, it, they have to do it uh, during the day Cork County Council apologising for any inconvenience uh, caused they say all subsequent works scheduled for the coming months will not necessitate a day time 
lane closure. So fingers crossed this will be the last one. And as we know, the fabrication of the steel boardwalk structure that is beginning off site is going to take a number of months to fabricate, given we're told the horizontal and vertical curvature of the boardwalk and the complexity of the steel supporting structure. It'll be amazing when it's done. It'll be amazing when it's done. We just need a bit of patience in the meantime and we won't get a walk on that boardwalk until mid twenty. 20. Planned lane closures may take place to facilitate the installation of the boardwalk but we'll talk about that next year as of now. Closes tomorrow and it will remain closed for the next, what's that, 9-10 days uh, reopening on November the 4th. That's just the northbound lane but I mention it because we know the last time it closed we know the level of delays and frustration it caused for so, so many people. Can I go back to the topic of not weed for a moment? Eileen Mill Street. Oh, this is responding to Martin in Mitchellstown. Martin in Mitchellstown said that he had a goat behind his place, was his phraseology. And it was a puck goat and it started eating not weed. And after a while, it withered away, much to Martin's surprise. And somebody said locally that if a goat eats a plant, the plant will die. And I was wondering, is it true? I still don't know for sure if it's true. But Eileen Mill Street said that they kept goats years ago. And when they had a herd of cows, you would always have a lot of farmers would put a goat into the field with the herd of cows because the goats would eat a herb that if the cows ate, it would affect the cow's pregnancy. So the idea was if you had pregnant cows in the field, you made sure there was goats around. So they'd eat up all of this, some kind of a herb or a weed or something, I don't know. And they'd get rid of it so the cows wouldn't be able to uh, eat it. And Eileen says that if she clearly remembers growing up, that if you saw a field of cows and there was a goat roaming around, everybody would know that they're very healthy cows because the goats are almost looking after them. 1850-333-103. Colm and Butterman said he had a big lump of knotweed from his house. It started at the back gate on the public road and then came right up to his house. He said it was there from 1978. A farmer bulldozed an area and then that's how the Japanese knotweed grew. It uh, was it has always been there. He said he used weed killer on it but it keeps coming back again. It's so deeply rooted in the soil. The year before last the council came along and treated it. It disappeared thanks be to God. Last year, a bulldozer came again and was doing something with water cables. And again, the knotweed is back and after expanding, and it's up to 50 metres away now from Cullum's Gate. And even though you say that the council, and you're blaming the bulldozer, but I wonder, was it the bulldozer and what the bulldozer did? Because you say the council came and treated it. We know from experience and speaking to people in the know, it can take up to three treatments. They should have come back the next year and the next year to be absolutely sure that it is completely eradicated. So that's what it could have been rather than what you're saying and what you think may have happened with um, the bulldozer. It might just not have been given enough dose of and it's, it's gramoxone, isn't it? That the Roundup is what they have to put on it, which I know a lot of us, Peter Dowdell in particular, hate to hear anybody using gramoxone and Roundup, but I don't think there's, there's anything else will kill off knotweed. Uh, Colette says, Patricia, I saw a programme, it was on RTE. It showed how in Japan, where obviously the weed comes from, Japanese, not wheat, that they have new techniques to get rid of it and it's very successful in Japan. That's 
a good point because it is Japanese not wheat. We should be looking to the Japanese to say, how do you get rid of it? How did you eradicate it? And Colette said it also showed on the programme wild rhododendron and how wild rhododendron, that's another invasive species, by the way, how that's taking uh, over and there's little being done about it. It's destroying wooded areas because what happens is the rhododendron becomes so dense it doesn't then leave in natural daylight into the native trees and plants. They need the natural daylight so it'll kill off everything else underneath it and all then that's left is complete woodlands or mountainous areas covered with rhododendron and you can already see that in evidence. I mean it's it's stunning when it's in flower but it's, it is an invasive species. It's the, it's the damage that it's doing to our native plants. Thank you for your WhatsApp, Colette, to 0862103103. And this is from Mary Society, Patricia. Just a comment on something that caught my attention during the week. Our Taoiseach was apologising in the doll to the ladies and indeed the families of those who had had a delayed diagnosis on their cervical smear tests. He was reading the apology from typed sheets. If I was apologising to you over something that I did, how would you feel if I arrived in front of you with sheets of paper and continued to read from them? Also, the inspector in Essex in charge of the investigation of those poor people that were found in that refrigerated lorry, the 39 that we now know Chinese people that died, was reading her statement from her phone. I thought that didn't look great either. Kind regards, says Mary. I saw the inspector reading from the phone and I think that's going to be the way forward. I think you're going to see a lot more people with press statements like that doing it from from their phone. It does save on paper, I, I, I will say that. But the reading of an apology, if you look back historically, Mary, on all of the other apologies that the Ardall has had to issue, our apologies that have been issued in other governments, by other governments and leaders, they're always read out and, and I, well, they're always read out because it would have been written firstly by a civil servant and then would have been proofread and checked by the person reading out the statement. But I suppose in order to make sure that every single word is put across and that the apology is phrased correctly and that you get the right message across, I suppose there's no other way but to read it out. Save they become actors and they learn off all the lines and I don't know whether they would have time to learn off all the lines or not. But what got to me and I heard Vicky Phelan talk about this as well and I thought it was a bit of an insult was when the Taoiseach was making the apology the fact that the doll wasn't full. The public gallery was full because the ladies who are still alive and battling cancer and Stephen Teep was there representing his lovely wife who sadly is no longer with us so there was family members of those who have passed away because of the Cervital Check scandal so the public gallery was full for this apology but all of the TDs weren't in their seats and I thought that was a bit and, I, and Vicky Phelan mentioned it and said she thought as well she thought that the doll would have been full because if you think back for the Magdalene Laundry which was another very high profile apology by the Irish government the doll was packed that day and and rightly so shall I say for the Magdalene Laundry survivors who were up in the public gallery but I would have thought the ladies from the Cervital Check scandal and their families they deserved they absolutely deserved that the doll would have been full and that every TD bar they're in hospital they should have been in their seats 1850 John Paul taking your calls by text or WhatsApp please we are looking for your cheesiest jokes last chance to get your jokes in for the next five, maybe ten minutes 
quickly if you've got a joke share it with us your chance to win a cheese fondue night at the Cozy Cafe Church Square in Kinsale on Sunday the 3rd of November for you and four of your friends your cheesy jokes please and you text WhatsApp 0862 103 103 0862 103 103 don't forget to put your name and address on it in case you win the prize it would be nice for us to be able to know who's after winning uh, the prize and you can check out more about the fondue nights at CozyCafe.net The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses Supporting communities Serving Cork Visit CorkCoco.ie A fundraising concert entitled A Night of the Musicals will be held in St James's Church Mallow tonight It starts at 8 and it features amongst others Welsh tenor Ryan Morgan and baritone Derek Ryan All proceeds are going to Cork Arc Cancer Support Tickets are €20 and they're on sale in Katie's Newsagents in Mallow. Ballinhasset Community Development, they've got a fundraising Kaylee in the Marion Hall that is on tonight with Dancing to Jer Murphy from 9.45pm. Social and Dance in Kilbritton Hall, that's tonight. Dancing to Declan Anger from half past nine. While a tea dance will be held in Canon Hayes' Hall in Effham. That's on this afternoon between three and half past five with Dancing to Red River. Clyde Rovers GAA, their lotto draws in Derry Murphy's Bar tonight. They've got a jackpot of €2,850 and tickets are available from Jerry O'Donoghue. And good luck to everybody involved in the LEP Scarecrow Festival. That's taking place from tomorrow Saturday until the following Sunday week, the 3rd of November. You can visit LEP to see the many scarecrow displays, street entertainment, puppet shows, parades, witch dancing and lots more and that's going on throughout the week and Bally de Hob Vintage and Threshing Festival that goes on over the bank holiday weekend as well with lots of fun for all the family C103 brings you Farm Talk with John O'Connor Saturdays at 10am and Wednesdays at 10pm Can you outline some of the main Chagas recommendations for the safe application of pesticides? It says on the label what distance to keep away from public sources of water. Turn on Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Agribusiness for quality feed, expert service and support you can trust. Only on C103. And Tom by Texas. Hi, Patricia. I was listening to you there talking about the traffic situation. Well, Patricia, did you ever drive through Formoy? It's not just on a Friday. It's every day of the week. It's only a matter of time before somebody gets seriously hurt. It's brutal. No one seems to be able to drive. And those traffic lights at the square and by the town park are absolutely ridiculous. It often takes drivers 10 to 12 minutes to go over the bridge because up by the square, other drivers are leaving other cars off even if the bloody lights are green. I've seen many an argument at the square over absolute stupidity. Someone is going to have to take a long hard look at the traffic problem in Formoy and sooner rather than later says Tom. And I was in Formoy a couple of times during the summer and I did think the traffic was very very excessive. Much more there seemed to be much more traffic than I remember. So is that down to there is just a lot more traffic on the road as well but according to Tom a lot of it is absolute stupidity. And B says Trish throwing eggs has started early. We were talking about this as usually a Halloween trick. My car was done on the 17th of this month. It was the first time that it's ever happened. I had to I've had to detour now. And if you're driving along and something like that hits your car you get an awful fright but then 
the fact that it's an egg, the clean up after it is absolutely uh, shocking. On the TDs in the doll, Patricia, our TDs are, have lost touch with the public. This is tying in with what I said about them not being in the doll when the apology was uh, announced. They can't even find their own way back to their own seats and press their own voting buttons, says a texter. And Sandy says on the TDs voting, is it true that they're now, the TDs are calling in specialists in order to get over vote gate and tell them how to vote? If true, that'll cost probably 50,000 minimum when hospitals and charitable organisations are crying out for money to help the sick and the deprived. What's wrong with the rule saying, press your own button and only your own button or face suspension or else do it the old-fashioned way. Get them to walk through the old voting lobby doors. And also, can they not provide toilets as part of the doll chamber in case any of them need to run to the loo and then they can't use the excuse that, oh, I was out, I had to go out to the loo. And best of luck to more Nabby ladies on Sunday. Glad to give that a mention. And on spraying not weed, I was told spraying not weed involved ensuring that the roundup has to be applied internally i.e. you have to inject it or pump it into the stem of the knotweed and the best time to do that is in September. That rings a bell with me, I remember, because I can't remember the group. It was a Tidy Towns group from one of the villages somewhere in the county. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. That was very successfully eradicating knotweed in the area. That's what they were doing. They were injecting it into the knotweed. Now, I want to quickly go to the phone lines. Rose is on line one. Good afternoon to you, Rose. Good afternoon, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. You had a call. This is interesting. This is a scam call. But this this would have thrown me now, I have to say. Go on, tell us what happened. Well, after nine this morning, phone rang just very short and uh, picked it up and there was a lady, a voice on saying that um, there was a movement in my bank account of value of 600 from IKEA. Okay. Obviously, I didn't entertain her for very long. So I went downstairs and I checked checked my own phone log to discover it was an English number. Um, checked my account. Thank God there was no movement in it. And did um, you ring the bank? Oh, I straight away. Yeah. Straight away, yeah. To confirm, yeah, I was right. There was no movement. I checked every, everything else. But she, she sounded very, very convincing. As, as you can imagine, I knew I had no transaction with IKEA yeah. or nobody, nobody connected with IKEA. So and did you kind of did you continue talking to her or did you... No. Stri- no, you hung no. up. Okay. No, after all your advice, no. Well done, well done. Away. And the number, the telephone number, it came from where? Oh, definitely 0044. Oh, it was an English phone number, okay. Yeah, 0044. So that... Um, 1982-5371. I tell you why I, when I saw your, when I heard your story, what thrown me was my credit card earlier in the year got compromised. And I woke up oh. one morning to a text message from 
my bank. Now again, suspicious, I was suspicious straight away when I got this to say there was unusual activity on your visa card and could you please contact and they gave a number. Now the first thing I did was didn't, I googled the number to make sure that it was, I'm with Permanent TSB to make sure that it was the right number and it was. So I got through to Permanent TSB and I spoke to a really really nice guy and he explained what had happened. There had been a couple of transactions in New York of all places. Somebody parked a car and kindly used my credit card even though I haven't been to New York in years and then somebody else went off I think they bought a cup of coffee and a sandwich it was small things went through they were testing to see would the card work and then they would have stung me for something bigger that's that's how it works so the, the permanent TSB straight away shut down my card and then I was without a credit card for a week or so and I got all, all I got the money back and, and all of that but yeah. But Very but fine. but therefore if I had got a phone call from somebody saying yeah. I'd be thinking oh my god it's after happening again yeah. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it's it's a new yeah. it's a new modus operandi. They're getting clever. They're doing exactly what the bank would do if there exactly. was a dodgy transaction. Wow, wow! Exactly. You and have to, to be so careful. Yeah, the banks are um, are aware in the area and obviously don't give out their details to anybody. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, listen. Uh, at least you didn't you didn't lose any money, which is the main thing. No, and and well done. You brought your A game, Rose. You knew exactly what to do. Well, well thanks done. to thanks to um, C103 again <laughs> for every day they're warning us. Don't give out details. Yeah. Yeah. Put down the phone. Yeah. Just absolutely straight away. Put down the phone. All yeah. right. Listen. Thank you for that. Have a lovely weekend. Listen, thank you for God everything bless. you do for us. No We're problem. Really They're all it. you're all grand inside in Tarish Jock anyway. You are. God bless. You are. Right. Guys, take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is uh, Rose from Dumanway. Okay, I have to give uh, a our prize away. Cozy Cafe, Church Square in Kinsale. We have a cheese fondue night for you for on Sunday, the third of November. And what's our funny joke for today? Uh, what did the policeman say to the belly button? You are under a vest. <laughs> All right, that's Philip, Phyllis McCarthy in Dunmanway. Congratulations to you, Phyllis. And I can see from your WhatsApp, you've entered nearly every day this week. So you obviously really want to go along to this special fondue uh, night. So enjoy that. It's on Sunday, the 3rd of November, and you're going along with you and four of your uh, friends. And thank you to everybody at the Cozy Cafe, Church Square in Kinsale. It sounds like it's going to be a terrific night out. And they are running cheese fondue nights on the 27th of October, the 10th and the 24th of November. And the 1st, the 8th and the 15th of December. And you can check it out at the thecozycafe.net. We're going to take a break and we're back talking movies with Mark Malone. Martina O'Donoghue. Make C103 part of your drive home. With up-to-date traffic information and local news, your input in selecting our feel-good song of the day, plus our feel-good story and as many of Cork's greatest hits that we can fit into three hours. Join me, Martina O'Donoghue, every weekday from 4 to 7. C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And we're actually a couple of people I can see Eddington Manway and John Paul says he's got a few calls on it as well from other people saying they got the very same call that Rose got. Uh, Eddington Manway said his call came from an 021 number whereas Rose's came from a 0044. So be aware of that. It's a new scam where they're letting on that there's been some movement on your credit card. Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, is in the studio. I got a call um, a couple of years ago from a guy purporting to be from Microsoft. You know, one of these guys yeah, you know, yeah. from India. Yeah. And uh, I asked him his name and uh, he gave me his name as like Paul Golding or something. Yeah. Oh, that sounds familiar. And then I said, so where do you live? And he said, I live in Dundalk. And I thought, 
that's odd. I would thought if you were to live in a place, you'd know how to pronounce it. And he hung up on me. So. Oh, don't, don't, what, 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 Dundalk. In, oh, I was Dublin. trying to say Dundalk. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you know, if, if you live in Dundalk, you should yeah, know how to pronounce yeah. it. And I actually got very angry. He said, how dare you say I'm Indian? And I said, I never said you were Indian. <laughs> so he just hung up on me. Yeah, so. I, I engaged with somebody and said, are you in Mumbai? And he goes, Mumbai, Mumbai. Why, 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 why are you saying that? Just if randomly is, saying it. If, yeah, if you get a random phone call from, from somebody offering you something, just yeah, hang, yeah, hang on. Yeah, absolutely. OK, you went along to the movies to see uh, a Sean... The Sheep Movie. Is it called Asha on the Sheep Movie? Asha on the Sheep Movie. Asha on the Sheep Movie. Call on Farmageddon. Okay, and uh, Crypto is the DVD. Let's take a quick trailer from Asha on the Sheep Movie. It travelled through space for a close encounter of the third kind. <laughs> from the creators of Wallace and Gromit and Chicken Run. comes one small step for lamb, one giant leap for lambkind. I was a big fan of Wallace and Grammar, so I'm, yeah. t- I'm assuming I, I like this, will I? Uh, you will, even though, look, this is targeted at uh, under 10s yeah. and, and grown-up children like me, you know, yeah. because I've always loved uh, Aardman. Aardman is just one of the greatest companies, I believe, you know, have just produced constantly great work, funny work, sweet, charming movies for charming, all the Charming, that's a good word. They're always so charming. I mean, that's the thing, yeah, and I've always loved stop-motion animation anyway. I remember the first time I saw Postman Pat, I was actually in my 20s because I grew up in one channel land. The first time I ever saw Postman Pat, because I used to do my own stop-motion um, uh, cartoons when I was a young man because I had, uh, when I was a boy, I had um, a Cine camera. So when I saw Postman Pat, I just thought it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. So I've always loved st- stop-motion yeah. uh, animation. And children love it. Of course, yeah, and why not? Yeah, it's just extraordinary. It looks beautiful. And you know the reason why is because it's actually kind of real. It's like a 3D. Because yeah, we, we know it. it's there. It's not just a, a 2D kind of uh, cartoon. It's a, It's got a physical kind of force to it. And that's what I love about it. And of course, it's, it and you have to take a long time for it to work right. Remember I, I did uh, Strike last week, the stop mm. animation uh, film, which didn't work. here. But Ardman, they were ugly, unfortunately, uh, the characters. Uh, and well. the whole thing just didn't really, really quite yeah. work. Whereas Ardman gets speed right. That's the thing. That's very difficult to get kind of motion and speed right. And Ardman do. And of course, because you're taking one frame, one shot at a second, every second, it does take a long time. And they do. They work a long time. And of course, over the years, you get the impression that they've watched Buster Keaton. They've watched the Keystone Cops. They've watched Harold to see how slapstick is done because that's what they do very, very well as well as the kind of quirky kind of English kind of uh, feelings in their movies which are it's really, really sweet and I really, really like that. Um, you know, this kind of English uh, eccentricity is kind of there on the screen for you to enjoy. And when Shaun the Sheep came along it was for younger kids and I used to watch it with uh, my little girl and those 10-minute little shorts they had in the afternoon. Yeah. I think I said to you before yeah. why don't they show them later on in the yeah. evening? Because everybody can enjoy them and the two of us used to laugh and, and laugh. They, and they always... You know, I know they're designed for children, but they always make sure that they'll keep the adults. There's, There's enough of, in it for the adults. And, to keep yeah, them and the great thing is you can, re- and you can re-watch them again and again because there are a lot of jokes happening in the background. Like Wallace, for example, reading not Hello Magazine, he's, re- he's reading Aop Magazine. Stuff like that is really, really <laughs> fun. And I love all that kind of stuff. And the detail is really, really extraordinary. And they take a long time over these movies. And so the first Shaun the Sheep movie I saw in the cinema when she, my, 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 my teenager was quite young. And the two of us, I think I remember when, when I reviewed it, the two of us were laughing in the cinema. 
anything about it. And people were looking at us going, who are these kind of strange people? So I managed to persuade her to come to this, uh, to where, you know, to come with me to this. Because yeah. I can't go on my own, really. I know. And, uh, and we just laughed, you know. And people were looking at us thinking, why, you know, this is funny, this is sweet, this is charming, but what the heck is going on? Part of the thing, with, for me anyway, as a movie buff, look, the story is is, is E.T. E- basically. This um, extraterrestrial crashes on the farm, um, uh, which is populated by Sean and uh, his buddies. And they um, help and try and to recontact contact, uh, the parents of uh, this young um, E.T. Uh, to try and get them to rescue uh, the, this uh, little female E.T. So he can go home. So that it can go home. So it's basically ET. It is ET. Okay. But there's loads of references to kind of so many other science fiction movies. There's references to Close Encounters. There's reference to 2001: Space Odyssey. To Aliens, even to to um, to the X Files. And so as a movie buff, I'm just loving all of this kind of stuff. As well as the same time, you've got an awful lot of slapstick. You've got this complete mayhem going around. This kind of uh, you know this anarchy uh, which kind of surrounds this farmer who is, of course, it just has no idea what's going on around him, and that's really really funny. And then his kind of faithful dog who tries to keep all the sheep uh, you know in in check I just thought it was just wonderful I thought it was fabulous I thought it was sweet and charming and wonderful and look especially if you've got under 10s and people uh, big, big children like me you can't go wrong yeah and we're into the children breaking up from midterm so exactly. some, something nice to and do like, you know, the week. even PG films have always tend to these days have stuff that maybe under 10s will find frightening or scary nothing about that they will love this there's nothing in yeah. it okay well done so mark that out of 10 now it's not as good as the last show on the sheep movie so I will give it eight. Okay, eight yeah. out of ten, and it's Ash on the sheep movie Farmageddon. Okay, crypto. We're into a crime thriller drama. Yeah, it's about cryptocurrencies. Well, at least they, okay. it purported to be about that because I'd, I'd be honest with you, I know nothing about cryptocurrencies at all. Do you? No, you know? I just might I glaze over when somebody tries to explain it to me. Exactly. Yeah, it's money that doesn't really exist. Yeah. But, but people apparently are making huge fortunes Absolutely. from it, so yeah. it kind of makes you wonder. So and I if thought, you got in early, you've made big bucks. Well, exactly. And isn't Facebook? Aren't they doing the wrong yeah. one? Is it called yeah. Libra or yeah, something? Yeah, that's it. Uh, so I thought at least this film would at least t- tell me about cryptocurrencies, but it doesn't. It pretends to at the start, but it actually doesn't, and then just turns into a kind of a silly drama. It's all over the place. It's a, it's a complete and utter mess. Uh, it's about this guy uh, called Martin, played by um, an actor called Bo Knapp. And um, he is um, an anti-money laundering investigator. And he investigates this uh, um, um, this gallery uh, back in his uh, hometown of Elba. And whilst he's there, uh, he undercovers this multi-million dollar laundry, uh, laundering scheme, uh, which is run by this kind of deadly Russian gang, this kind of stereotypical Russian gang. Because, you know, these days, you know, they're, they're handy to be the bad guys and they've all got voices like this and they've all so got they tattoos and stuff. sound bad. Yeah, and in the meantime, then um, it, it turns into kind of a kidnapping drama. And so we don't actually learn anything about uh, cryptocurrency at all, which is one of the main kind of, uh, you know, and actually considering he is this kind of anti-money laundering investigator, he doesn't know anything about cryptocurrency, which kind of think, what, really? What would surely you would know about it? And, because, and there's a lot of this kind of stuff happens. He goes back to his own hometown, meets up with his father and his brother, Kurt, played by Kurt Russell and Luke Hemsworth, who Bo Knapp looks nothing like in any way, shape or form whatsoever. <laughs> it's just kind of extraordinary. And the film is, you know, we talk about how films these days are kind of bleached out and they're almost kind of black and white there are some beautiful sh- shots um, that they kind of filmed uh, at uh, Kurt Russell's farm in the film and it's almost like the first assistant director went out and, and did all these amazing shots but the colour palette is all weird and they're lovely shots but it then goes back to kind of black and white it's just really really weird it's very odd very odd film and uh, it just gets kind of sillier and sillier and sillier as uh, as time goes on and gets more complicated and it just it just doesn't work you end up confused at the and end unfortunately Bo Knapp can't act he's oh. dreadful in this film I don't uh, have I heard 
Bonap before? Uh, the, it's spelled K-N-A-P-P, so the the, yeah. the, um, the K is obviously silent. I mean, he's he's so wooden in this. He's got, you know, I don't know, he's chewing furniture. It's just that bad. Like, it really is terrible. OK, mark, mark it out of ten. For Kurt Russell's lovely hair, I'll give it four. Oh, OK, that's called <laughs> a crypto. Listen, have a lovely bank holiday weekend, Mark. And uh, we'll talk to you next. number of calls and texts in about various scam calls since we took Rose's call earlier. There's one going around where you get a recorded message saying you've got a transaction pending on your visa card, which needs to be verified. And then they ask you to press one. Uh, we've had a couple of calls in from West Cork to say that that call was going around this morning. And then, ju- and then we're told that somebody got one here yesterday here at the radio station. The very same call was received uh, so beware of that. There is also uh, beware of any scam phone calls pretending to be coming from online companies seeking bank details. The number appears similar to local numbers. Do not provide any details. And there is an alert message from Alert in Cork County talking about scam emails that are circulating requiring a $900 payment to change your password. Please don't respond, we're told. Um, just look after and improve your own security and your own passwords, but hand no money over to anyone. And whatever you do, do not give your bank details to uh, anyone at all. Your bank will never ask you for those uh, details. Feel Good Friday. Nick Richards is turning up the feel good with these uh, tunes. Uh, it's Nick from Wanna Martina from Four with Feel Good Friday. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. I'm off next week. John Paul will be sitting in. I'll talk to you Monday week. Onto the line, Patricia Messenger. Enjoy your bank holiday weekend. Don't forget the clock. Hello, this is Eric Griffin. Join me Monday to Friday between seven and eight for some great songs on C103 anthems. And then... Hi there, Tommy Fleming here. This is Dominic Kerwin. Hello, this is Phil Minnebegley here. Hello, this is Robert Mazzell. Hi, this is Nathan Carter and you're listening to Eric Griffin on C103. Don't miss Anthems at 7 and the very best of country and Irish from 8. Right here on C103.